Hello, my name is Zachary Rodier, and welcome to episode 14 of the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. And we have a great show for you today. Um, and yes, hockey is back. Um, the exhibition games are starting today on Tuesday, July 28th, and uh, starting at 4 o'clock with Pittsburgh versus Philly, and then 8 o'clock, um, Montreal versus Toronto, and 10.30, Edmonton versus Calgary in the Battle of Alberta. Exhibition games, and there's going to be on the 28th, uh, which is today, the 29th, and the 30th, and we'll have QHU score recap starting tomorrow, which are recapping the games today. Um, but anyways, uh, we have a great show for you today. We have uh, The Athletic's Sean Fitzgerald, uh, who is a writer for The Athletic uh, nationally for Canada. And also, he has some great stories about um, the Olympics. And also, we talk all about the NHL's bubble. Um, players have made it to the bubble now, and we'll talk about that later in the NHL news, along with the Arizona Coyotes news. Uh, and also, uh, since there's no QWHQ score recap episode today, previewing the games that are happening today, um, I will do that at the end of the episode during our NHL news segment. But without further ado, let's get you right into that interview with Sean Fitzgerald. Enjoy. Today, the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast is excited to welcome a senior Canadian national writer for you. For the Athletic. Before being with the Athletic, today's guest was a sports reporter for the Toronto Star and has a book called Before the Lights Go Out A Season Inside a Game on the Brink. In addition to his book, today's guest has covered many sporting events, including the Olympics, the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and much more. Please welcome Mr. Sean Fitzgerald to the show. Uh, Sean, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, Sean, things are starting to ramp up in the NHL and across the sports world. And there's a lot of talk about, especially in this episode, with this being the day the exhibition games start and our last episode before the qualifying rounds start. However, I want to talk first about you and your career uh, with sports specifically. How did you get started uh, in the sports reporting business and how have you end- ended up with The Athletic and your book as well? Yeah, no, for sure. I'm not qualified to do anything else. I'm not smart enough to do science. I, I was terrible at math. I mean, look at this. There's no way I'm going on television. And you've heard my voice for long enough to know I'm not going on radio. So you don't have to go very far down the list to realize that my career options were very limited. So, um, you know, my great grandfather, as it turned out, was a sports editor of the Toronto Telegram, a newspaper that eventually became the Toronto Sun. Um, my father was a sports reporter. Um, so again, when you put all of that in, the mix with the fact that I'm not qualified to do anything else. I ended up in journalism. I went to Ryerson University, which is a big journalism school here, uh, bounced around to a few papers, uh, the Canadian press. And then, yeah, in 2016, um, The Athletic came along just after I'd been laid off at the star. And yeah, I've been here almost four years. And talk about your book a little bit as well. Yeah, no. How much time do we have? Do we have until you're through university and got your graduate degree? Is that how much time? <laughs> No. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's before the lights go out. It's uh, a book that I got interested in doing as a project because you know, my wife and I, we have two small children, uh, age five and nine, and they're both getting into minor hockey. So I played minor hockey as a kid. I brought shame on my family name. I brought shame on the game. I brought shame on the province of Ontario and the country of Canada 
because I was so terrible at it, but I had fun playing hockey. Mm -hmm. But I never really understood the machinations and the things that made hockey what we know it is today that, you know, we see in the NHL, the finished product, but you know, what gets it there and how is it made? So, you know, with the two kids in the system, I got really interested in, you know, just how welcoming is the game? How accessible is the game? Who's playing it? So, you know, what Before the Lights Go Out tried to do, um, we didn't have the title for it until the very end, so I shouldn't call it that, but um, sort of charting Canada's evolving relationship with the game that, you know, way back before I was born in the era of my grandparents, um, hockey was a game where you could make it to the NHL playing in a small town in northern Ontario or northern Quebec, or northern Manitoba, you know, towns like Flin Flon and Rundaranda and, you know, Timmins. And now, if you're 13 years old and you don't have a professional skating instructor with a stick handling instructor and nutritionist, a sports psychologist, yeah. and you're in a major urban center, your chances go down quite a bit. So the book tries to sort of, you know, explore how those changes came about and how they manifest themselves in the modern game. And that's very interesting when you're talking about the coaches and things like that, because at my age, I'm seeing that everywhere as well. Um, you know, I played when I was younger, now I'm refereeing, but you know, between the house and the travel or and the AAA and the AA, it's all very complex. And I get what you're saying. I talked to uh, the Stanley Cup champion, Shane Knighty, uh, who's now the broadcaster for the Vegas Golden Knights. And he came from a small city of Nipawa. Uh, and right. now you're thinking uh, with your book, could, have, could that be a possibility now? So I think that's a really cool thing that you're talking about. Um, and I, I'm know that now after this interview, I'll definitely want to read it. Um, but now in my introduction, I talked a lot about some of the events you've covered. What have been some of the best sporting events you've covered and what are some of the great memories uh, throughout your writing career uh, that you've had so far? Oh my goodness. Some of them are the most, the ones that stand out are the ones that are often the most unexpected. I mean, I've been lucky, don't get me wrong, to, you know, I've covered the Super Bowl. I was in the stands when David Tyree had that great catch on the back of his head yeah. Uh, for the Giants, um, you know, I've, I've covered the NBA finals, uh, covered Grey Cup, I've covered a bunch of different things. But the, the things that always stand out for me were the ones that maybe I didn't expect. Uh, I mean, the biggest one was in London for the 2012 Summer Olympics. Um, I was doing a feature on Mary Spencer, who was uh, favored to win a medal for Canada in women's boxing. And it was the first year that women's boxing was a full medal sport in the Olympics. Um, so Mary Spencer, for a variety of different reasons, the pressure, um, the spotlight of the moment, she didn't fare as well as she had hoped, and, and she didn't advance. So we were in the mix zone talking to Mary Spencer about the disappointment of her defeat, and all of a sudden, the, the, the stands just start erupting like a thunderstorm uh, outside, and we're underneath, we're in the guts of the stadium, the, you know, the parts that you don't see on TV that you know, look like you know, sort of a, a back alley of a not-so-great part of the city. Um, and, and all of a sudden, like, you just hear this rumble. And, you know, Mary walks away and we're finished talking with her. And I sort of peeked my head out. And it turns out that there was an Irish boxer who was fighting. So I made a note of it in my brain and kept an eye out. And it turns out that this Irish boxer advanced to the gold medal match. So, you know, I convinced my editor. And again, I was representing a Canadian newspaper chain yeah. to go cover an Irish boxer in the women's boxing finals. And I'll never forget. It was this... It was like the Direct Energy Center in Toronto, you know, the big convention center. It was like that, mm. except in East London. Um, so I took the bus out there, the media shuttle, and walked in, got my seat, and there are a couple of undercards. And then all of a sudden, like, you start looking around, and 
everybody in the arena. And they're, they're, I think it held 10,000. And I'm not kidding you. 9,500 people were wearing green, white, and gold. Hmm. And I think the other five people were there because the princess was there and they were making sure she was safe. Yeah. But the second that this boxer came out, and her name was Katie Taylor. She was a European champion, a world champion, former uh, Olympic level soccer player. And her dad was her coach. Um, she came out and all 9,500 people like started boom, 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 boom on these yeah. metal stands. And it sounded like, again, that thunderstorm. And I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, it would have been standing up on edge because this woman gets into the ring against this Russian and the place is just going nuts. It was louder in my mind than, you know, the Super Bowls I've covered than the Stanley Cup playoffs that I've covered. It was just incredible. Ireland doesn't win a lot of medals. And in 2012, Ireland was still, still in the early stages of recovering from its 2008 financial collapse. So there were people outside who'd sold things, who'd, who'd sort of pawned things off to get there to watch Katie Taylor compete for a gold medal. And it was kind of a sloppy bout, but I'll fast forward. And, you know, in the end, it's not quite sure who won. So the, the Russian boxer and Katie Taylor were standing in the middle, the referee holding each hand, and they announced the score. And Katie Taylor won. And the place erupted. She, she went over and she hugged her father, who was in tears, and she went around the, the ring. Like, it was, it, was, it was incredible. I can't even describe it. I mean, it's on, it's on YouTube. The video's there. But that moment. So, you know, in sports, the whole reason we like sports is the, connecti the connectivity and the sense of the moment, the sense of meaning, and yeah. trying to divine some, you know, reason why. And what this was, was this woman who fulfilled a lifelong dream with her father literally in her corner and 9,500 people in the arena. And it was broadcast on Irish state television. So, I mean, there were entire parks filled with people watching on big screens and she accomplished it. She accomplished her dream and it was right in front of you. And you just don't get that opportunity often. Like that's, that's something that'll stick with me to the day I die. And that's some of the things that you get that privilege as being a reporter and getting to see um, those amazing events. Um, but besides that story, um, and I know you wrote those uh, with, like you said, with the newspaper, what have been some of the other favorite stories that you've written? Uh, I had Allison Lucan from The Athletic who covers the Blue Jackets, and right. I was talking to her about that The Athletic gives you that opportunity. It's a different type of, of journalism where you get to have more exclusive a story. So what have been some of the favorite stories you've written and or interesting as well? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Pan American Games were in Toronto in 2015, and I got to spend a lot of time uh, writing about artistic roller skating, which is a metal sport. So people are on roller skates, and it's just like figure skating, except roller skates. Um, for the athletic, there have been a bunch, because as you mentioned, it's a it's a great company and a great place to sort of foster different ideas and, and sort of different approaches. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the show Letter Kenny on Crave TV. Um, it's a very Canadian sounding show okay. and it deals, it's, it's incredibly profane, um, but it also deals with a lot of hockey and a lot of hockey slang. So I got Jared Kiso, the creator of Letter Kenny, mm -hmm. on to talk about how he's connected with the modern hockey slang. And you'd hear it in any rink, honestly, you'd hear it in New York, Los Angeles, Nashville, um, anywhere. The slang, that, you know, it's not always um, fit for broadcast, but yeah. um, asked him how he stays current with the new slang. And then I spoke with linguists who were able to help me understand that 
you know, hockey's played all over the place, but why is this lang similar? Um, and it turns out that hockey is a very obviously cloistered kind of culture and that, you know, Sidney Crosby has just as much of a hockey slash Canadian accent now as he did the day he was drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, and that's allowed to exist in part because the hockey dressing room, the language is hockey in Canada. So yeah. like, it's weird, fun stuff like that. I did the same thing with Mike Babcock who grew up in, you know, Northern Manitoba. That must uh, have been a fun territories. Yeah, right? Like, where does his accent come from? Nobody in Saskatoon sounds like Mike Babcock. But here's a guy who, you know, moved to Detroit, lived in California, lived in Montreal, lived in England. And generally, when most people go and live in those different places, you'll pick up a bit of an accent, right? Like, mm-hmm. not him. He has the exact same accent the day he was born as now. And, and you know, some of the linguists figured that, you know, some of the reasons why is that, you know, for you not to acquire an accent from where you're living generally means you have a very strong sense of who you are and where you came from. And I think that probably describes Mike Babcock very well. And all those stories are really interesting. And uh, especially with, I love when you're talking about your book and now with these stories as well, you're starting to try and see the roots of where everything's beginning and how things are starting to change. Is that uh, one of the main things you look for in a lot of the stories you do? I mean, some of them, I mean, I still do, you know, regular sports ones too, yeah. but yeah, I mean, things that sort of explain things or, or things that, you know, like honestly, the Mike Babcock story was, I, I got bored one day and I didn't have any other story to work on. So I went down to a lease practice and I was standing in the back of the room as he was talking. And I'm like, I've been to Saskatoon. Like I've talked to people who are from Saskatchewan. Nobody sounds like Mike Babcock. Yeah. So it essentially starts with like a, a what's up with that kind of question, right? And, and then you have a lot of fun finding out the answers. Um, and that's, that's part of the real fun that, you know, people I think like sports for a bunch of different reasons, that there are folks who really like the analytics of sports, the getting into the numbers and, and seeing how that relates and translates onto the ice or the field or whatever. And that's, that's fine. There are people who just like cheering for the home team and don't really care about anybody else, but, you know, like maybe sitting in the living room with your mom or dad or sister or whoever, and enjoying that as a sort of a family unit. Um, and then there's folks who, you know, like the human stories, like the triumphs and, you know, people can like and pick and choose bits and pieces of all of that. Um, I tend to really sort of gravitate towards the humanity of it. The, the fact that, you know, there are folks out there in those uniforms and there's storylines behind those people and, and what made them the way they are and, and what is it that they're doing on the field that, helps to find them or what is it about them that helps to find what they're doing on the field and the story in hockey continues to evolve um now i don't know if you've had a chance but yesterday the 32nd franchise the nhl uh the seattle kraken announced their name um they announced that they're going to be the seattle kraken it was a surprise announcement in addition to their name they've released their jerseys and their logos what are your thoughts on the kraken especially as a 32 a 32nd franchise now coming in is we thought it was going to be an, a less uh, easy expansion draft, but now it's totally changed uh, with the cap and things like that. But what are your thoughts on the new franchise? I have to tell you, I mean, their early steps have been flawless. I mean, from the, the release um, and then from embracing the name that so many people on social media had advocated for. And, yeah. and they really stuck the landing that those jerseys, um, you know, the, the main logo, the home road, um, everything just seemed almost flawless. It's a, it's an excellent color scheme. It's a wonderful logo, and their social media presence has already shown that 
you know, it's going to be sort of a forward-looking franchise to say nothing of, of how it's already been built behind the scenes in the front office and, and who they've hired and how they've hired them and, and sort of what they value that, you know, they have really good analytics staff already in place. They have empowered women in high-ranking, meaningful roles that, you know, this could be a franchise that helps give a sport a reset and the sport is badly in need of a reset. And when you're talking about the social media, I don't know if you've seen their new bio after they announced their name because uh, before before they didn't have a name, they said, we don't have a name yet or a logo or whatever, um, but we still love hockey. Now their bio says, now that we have a name, we're uh, secretly trying how to poach your favorite player and bring them on our team. So that's just something like that. And I think that they have a great blueprint of what an expansion team should be like after they saw Las Vegas uh, absolutely blow up. And they have, they have that blueprint of what the social media should look like, when they should uh, release the name and things like that. And I, I agree with you. I think their jersey is awesome. Uh, they're, they're patched with the, with the anchor, including the Seattle Space Needle. I think that's really neat. And honestly, I'm surprised it, it didn't leak. Uh, before I, I, there's some cool stories about how they kept that in. Um, I mean, right before, um, during, during, before they announced the logo and the name, I mean, by accidentally, it did come up on their broadcast, their logo, very small for a second. Uh, but other than that, I think they did a really good job uh, with keeping that tight knit. Um, but after covering the Olympics, uh, like you were talking about, you've covered the, the 20, 2012 uh, London Olympic Games. Uh, you must be really excited to hear that in the CBA, NHL players will be back in the, at the international sporting event. How big is it for hockey and how big is it for players? Because the last Olympics, there were no NHL players. Yeah, you know, in a strange kind of way, it, it is a bit bittersweet. Um, and I say that as like, like I've, again, been very lucky to cover a bunch of different things. The Olympics, summer and winter, I, I got to do uh, one of each. I got to do 2012 in London and 2014 in Sochi. And I have to say that there's nothing that compares to working to an Olympics. It's just, it's incredible, right? Um, having hockey comes back uh, is a little bittersweet because what it does is it makes hockey, again, men's hockey, uh, unquestionably one of the main marquee sports. I mean, women's hockey is incredible. And hopefully the Canadian team can seek some vengeance in a couple of <laughs> years on what happened in 2018, which again, was a classic finish, yeah. following a classic finish in Sochi, um, albeit with a better result from Northern teams. But so you have those two that are always going to be a marquee. But when you have the NHL there, there's the added group of players who sort of suck up all the oxygen. And it's not their fault, right? But when you have Connor McDavid and you have, you know, Austin Matthews and you have all of the big players from across the NHL there, they're inevitably going to be a huge story, which means that they're inevitably going to drive a lot of the coverage back here in North America when, you know, you have athletes in um, biathlon and, you know, downhill skiing and moguls um, who are just as deserving of attention and who yeah. have sacrificed, I would argue, even more because they don't have that financial backing. Um, and this is their moment. And, you know, without the NHL players there, yes, the, the women's hockey is a marquee event and draws a lot of the attention, but um, there's just more oxygen for a lot of these other athletes who are really deserving. So um, that's the bitter part. The sweet part is, is that it's the best platform for hockey. Um, yeah. I, I mean, God bless the World Cup. Uh, it's not the Olympics. 
I love the Canada Cup. Like for me, you know, for older people, uh, 1972 Summit Series was obviously the big one. But for me growing up, it was the Canada Cup. I mean, Wayne Gretzky passed the puck to Mario Lemieux in 1987 when I was 10 years old. Steve Larmer won it in 91 when I was 14. Um, but the Olympics is another level because it is the best of the best. Um, and having them, you know, in Sochi uh, with that team where the, the Canadian team just seemed like it was the empire and mm-hmm. nobody could stop them um, and see how that's evolved now, where I think what you're going to see is that, you know, the world has caught up. And I think as much as Canadians are going to grit their teeth, have passed Canada in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing that and putting it all out there, I think is going to be tremendous for hockey fans, albeit you might have to wake up at three or four in the morning to watch some of these games. Yeah. And the Amer- like you said, Canada used to be every time, you know, you, you knew they were getting the gold. Uh, but I think team Russia team, the USA team, I think those, and even Finland or Sweden, I mean, they're starting to catch up as well. Um, especially- well I think in some, in some respects, I mean, Finland and Sweden have passed them like past Canada in terms of a per capita production, like, Canada starts off with such a huge base and then just pisses it away because of a whole bunch of things that I'm happy to get into, but it basically chases some of its really promising talent away from the game before they're even 15 years old. Whereas Sweden and Finland have a, I think have a better system to capture a per capita basis. The really scary thing from a Canadian perspective is the Americans. And the scary thing is, is because, you know, no matter what, um, Canada's always been able to count on beating the Americans when it matters in, in big hockey games, right? Like that's, that's part of the whole ethos up here. That's what sells yeah. beer. That's what sells donuts and coffee up here is, you know, indirectly beating, you know, the people directly south of us. Yeah. The challenge is, is, you know, the U.S. has seen growth in hockey, whereas Canada generally across the board has seen a decrease at the grassroots level. So, you know, Austin Matthews is a big star with the Toronto Maple Leafs and he's from like Scottsdale Arizona the kid who could be a really big star and could actually potentially not to get ahead of ourselves but factor into the Olympic discussion um Nick Robertson who's the Toronto's second round pick from last year um is from Los Angeles California um and he's scored 55 goals in 40 some games with the Peterborough Peets last year like there's so much talent coming out of the United States elite level talent that you know, can Canada keep up? And what will it look like in a couple of years? What will it look like, you know, another cycle after that? But yeah, I mean, Sidney Crosby's in his mid-30s now. There's Connor McDavid, but who's your goalie? What does your defense look like? Like, there are real questions. Mm-hmm. And I think the question of have the Americans caught up isn't a question anymore. That's been answered. Yes. The really scary one is have the Americans passed, a, have passed Canada? And if so, by how far? Well, I'm an American, so I don't know if I have too much of a problem with that. But I mean, I I'm this also yeah, I I'm also love Canada. My dad's from there, so okay. I'm also a Canadian Habs fan too. But uh, you know, I think that especially in the next Olympics, I mean, when you have Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, uh, an older yeah. Sidney Crosby, don't forget. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, but in two years' time, if the Olympics are on time it would be two years from now um but still i mean when you have Connor mcdavid and Sidney crosby it's a pretty good pretty good team um and and carrie price and or carter carter hart and things like jordan Carter Hart will have to be the hope because carrie price is almost or jordan bennington so you know um but now with everything in the sports world is new um but what are your thoughts on the nhl 
do you think that they'll ultimately crown a 2020 Stanley Cup champion? That's, that's such a good question. Um, I went for a bike ride this morning, downtown Toronto, and I saw the Royal York Hotel, which is, you know, where yeah. they're, I guess you want to call them the lesser of the qualifying teams. That's where they'll be holed up. It's One right across from the station. Yeah. It's, a, it's a block away from Scotiabank Arena. That's all boarded up to the general public. Uh, they've roped off Jurassic Park, which is, you know, where the Raptors fans yeah. were for the deep playoff run. You can't get around there. It's, it's starting to get locked up. It's starting to look like a hub city. The thing is, is can you keep these guys safe? Can you keep them yeah. infection-free? And, I mean, baseball is a different model, so it's an imperfect parallel. But you just have to see what happened yesterday with, with the Washington Nationals and, and that positive test. Um, this virus has a real strong track record of undoing the best of all human intentions. Yeah. Um, I mean, MLS, again, different case. Uh, Major League Soccer had two teams withdraw before their return to play because of COVID infections. The National Women's Soccer League had a team withdraw from its tournament because, again, of a uh, high rate of infection on one team. Um, now, the NBA has also had positive tests. Major League Soccer has generally uh, been able to pull off this tournament without a high rate of infection. And, and those bubbles are in Florida, which as everybody knows, unfortunately, is a center of a massive outbreak. So, you know, Alberta and Ontario have seen their numbers tick up and it's alarming, but it's still, I think today in Ontario, it was fewer than 200 new cases. Yeah, In the context of the United States, that's yeah. nothing. But up here, like yeah. that's a cause for some concern, right? Yeah. Um, so without that much virus floating around, can you keep players safe? I, I think that's interesting. But then you get into, you know, if players are going to be here for a long time, it's one thing to, you know, get eliminated from the qualifying round at three games and you get to go home and you say you got a really nice summer vacation in Toronto for a yeah. week. But if you're planning on winning the cup, you're going to be here for a long, long time. And that's a long time, even in a nice hotel to spend yeah. inside. So, you know, given the number of players who are from Southern Ontario, have family in Southern Ontario and the area, what is that temptation going to be on a lull a month from now, yeah. six weeks from now, to just go outside the fence where nobody's looking and say hi or give your mom a hug or something? Like, there's always going to be temptation because these folks are human. And all it takes is one, right? Like, it's just yeah. such a huge tinderbox. All it takes is one, and the whole thing can go in flames. So, I mean, a little bit earlier when teams were still all training at home and some of them were in these hot spots, um, I gave it a 50-50 shot. I think – you know, if everybody can get into the bubble this weekend safely and that you still get tests, you know, 10 days from now that are showing up negative, it probably ticks up to maybe 60 to 75 percent. And uh, just for context uh, to the listeners, uh, we're filming this on a Thursday and on uh, uh, Friday, excuse me, and on, on Sunday, every team will finally make it to that bubble. And on Tuesday, the episode will be released and they'll be there. Okay. And that right. and that's the day that uh, exhibition games will start. Um, but when I was talking, the hope is, can they get to the bubble? If they can get to the bubble, I think it's going to be good news. And I mean, when we heard last week uh, that there were only two positive cases in training camp out of all the teams, uh, and then the Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, uh, had a conference with the players and, and the general managers yesterday to talk about the hub cities and he said this week there's been zero cases so a total of two that's really really good because if once you get in that bubble and you can lock it and seal it I, I think there's a good chance uh, for that to happen but talking about the bubbles like I just said 
the NHL has started to release some of that. You're talking about staying inside. Um, They're trying to give them uh, as much outdoor possibilities. I mean, they said each city is going to have 14 restaurants, sushi restaurants, steak restaurants, taco, Italian, everything. Um, I mean, I, I, the thing I don't know is, is it free? Like, can they just eat? Is it all you can eat? I, I don't know. It but better be. It, it better be. It better be. If you lock yourself in a hotel, yeah. it better be. Yeah, like, better I, be. I don't know if you've been to Toronto. Like, the Royal York is a very nice yeah. hotel. It's and the really other one nice. is Hotel X on the CNE grounds. And it has a bit more room to play with. And, you know, yeah. there's some stuff where you can sort of conceive of how they can make that a little bit more fun. But, like, the Royal York is right in the heart of downtown Toronto. And in any other non-pandemic time, that's a huge advantage over Hotel X because you're closer. You can walk to anything you want. But now, even biking around it, you know, just before the bubble opens, you can see how it would start to potentially feel claustrophobic. That, you know, at a certain point, you just might want to walk to your local CVS and get a toothbrush, but you can't. You just might want to go, you know, get a coffee at your local Starbucks, but you, you can't. You can't leave the bubble. And I think that, you know, that will be really challenging for some guys. And maybe, maybe they haven't fully considered like the Toronto Raptors um, have gone down to Florida and have spoken about, you know, how, how heavily they've invested in help um, to, to guard against mental health. Because, you know, in, in Florida, in Orlando, you absolutely can't leave. Um, But I mean, you still have the fact that these guys are all human away from their family and friends, and there's going to be some mental health aspects to it. And I can confirm that there will be Tim Hortons in both hub cities. Um, but when you're talking that's about- Canadian law, yeah. Yeah, it's Canadian law. But uh, when, and we have, in Columbus, we have Tim Hortons too. Um, but when you're talking about the hub cities, especially, I think in, in Edmonton, it's really all together. It's just one big bubble. In Toronto, it's a little different. Um, at the hotel, ho- the Fairmont, the Hotel York, the Royal York, and yeah. that's part of connected with with the arena, and there'll be stuff there. But then the players at the York uh, will also be able to take a bus to the exhibition grounds where Hotel X is, where they have BMO Field, uh, where there's going to be restaurants and outdoor space, and they're also going to have uh, the OVO Center uh, where the Raptors practice. So they're yeah. going to have a lot of that space as well. Um, but with the broadcasting, the NHL also showed some sketches, and today we're seeing some actual photos. Big LED screens. They're covering some of the seats. Uh, from Columbus, I, I'm good to know that the the cannon sound will be will be gone. Uh, hopefully, when the Blue Jackets score some goals, and right. every team's going to have that signature. What do you think the importance is um, for the broadcasting? Because the NHL is trying to make up as much revenue as possible. And the only way to do that is for fans to tune into the television. Do they focus more on the crowd noise and the things like that for the fans? Because they also have to make sure that the players um, are in an environment they like as well. Well, I mean, if you've watched any Toronto Maple Leafs hockey, you know that it will be just like a regular game for them because nobody fills up those first four rows until about three minutes left in the period, right? Because they're all downstairs eating their caviar. So that'll seem exactly (laughs) the same as any Leafs game in history. So that'll be a real home ice advantage. But yeah, I mean, the mock-ups, it's interesting because it kind of looks like, are you playing hockey? You're playing the price is right. Um, You know, it looks like a bit of a game show, but, you know, kudos to the NHL for trying. Um, 
I think the really interesting thing for the rest of us, and I'm not going to be in a hub because, I mean, no outside media is allowed in the hub. Unless um, you're NHL.com, yeah. Unless, yes. Unless you work for the teams. Um, so, I mean, for me, the really interesting thing is, you know, I've been watching Major League Soccer. I've been watching yeah. a bit of the Bundesliga. Uh, we even watched a bit of golf. Um, but it feels like you're watching a practice round. It feels like you're watching a scrimmage. It's, it's yeah. like watching that great old movie Casablanca, right? Like, um, you know, you can get to that point in the movie where they play La Marseille, that big stirring part, except there's no soundtrack, so they don't sing. Um, you get to still watch NHL playoff hockey, but is it the same without the soundtrack? And the soundtrack here is it's you and me. It's the fans, right? Like, yeah. it's the people that you, you know, you think the television directors cut to during the national anthem. So they're, you know, they're singing the Star Spangled Banner and you show the fans in the stands and then you cut to the players and then you show the fans watching outside um, and you, you sort of build the energy through the fact that you're saying, look, we're all part of this. We're all connected mm -hmm. to this moment. There's millions of people connected to this very moment, living and dying on what happens over the next three periods of hockey. You're not going to have that. Yeah. What you're going to have is a lot of dudes out on the ice, swearing, trying not to spit because that's illegal now, um, and doing a whole bunch of things that just seem really unfamiliar. And I think that, you know, God bless uh, the networks for trying, but you just can't replicate the crowd noise. And it's, I think, going to feel a little bit flat. And we'll, we'll find out. I, they are saying that they're teaming up with EA Sports, who has the fan noise uh, from their games. And I think that the key is, is that they have to make sure that they bring in all of the fans that are watching as home as much as possible without making it look cheesy. Like, I'm watching the MLB, and I love what they're trying to do, but right. the cutouts of the fans, I, I don't know how that really – brings in things more uh even I mean, if they beam a picture of you and right now where you're sitting right like say that's yeah. that's your image that's beamed into the arena and you're cheering like is that the same as you being in the arena no and it's not high-fiving everybody around it's not you? because i again like you said with the other sports the mls is having fans video chat in and have and again the players aren't going to be looking up at the scoreboard seeing them so and neither I, are you or i watching on yeah. tv it's just that weird thing that you sort of look at as the camera pans by as, the, as yeah. the game goes on. So I think that it'll be interesting to see. I, I think that they have all these more camera, they have a bunch of more camera angles yeah. now. They have this opportunity. Um, they're putting microphones in the nets. They're putting microphones yeah. everywhere. So they're going to try and make this, especially, yes, sports are coming back, um, but the Stanley Cup playoffs will be the first playoffs uh, to happen. So I think a lot of more people will be tuning in as well. Um, so the NHL has this opportunity to make it big and we'll see how it is. Like you were saying this, I I've seen some comments on Twitter saying, I don't know if you've played NHL, like the video games, but yeah. there's something called NHL threes. Uh, and it looks a lot like that uh, with all the led screens. So, and well, that's I'm, a great comparison. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. Does that and, mean we get the option of playing mascot hockey in between? Yeah. Two? Yeah. That I don't think that's an option this time, but that's I don't even bad. know if they're bringing the mascots. I think that's a interesting question. Um, who would be the best? Who'd be the top threes for mascots in real life NHL? So you got to have gritty, right? Gritty. I, I've heard Stinger, and I, I, I may be biased, uh, but I've heard Stinger's pretty good. Yeah. I've heard uh, there's one in the West. I think it may be Bernie from Colorado. I've heard he's good. Oh, yeah? 
But so I, is, that, is that who we're going with for three? So you're going gritty for intimidation and the other two for playmaking? Is yeah, maybe. Three? Maybe. I think so. And I don't know who I'll put in that. Uh, maybe uh, I'd put the, the Detroit Red Wings blow up, uh, blow, <laughs> blow up of uh, Octopus. Uh, That's fair. That would probably block the goal a lot. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, the sketchups are pretty similar to the photo they just posted on NHL.com. Okay. Um, so I think that'll be interesting. They said not every single game will not be the same, uh, which I think is interesting. And obviously it's not going to be five-star on the exhibition games, uh, but we may get a little taste of that uh, very soon. Um, but to cap everything off, because uh, we've been talking for a while, um, who do you think, first of all, uh, out of the qualifying rounds, not the round robin, yeah. who do you think could make – a real run for it. Uh, there's Pittsburgh, Edmonton, Toronto, Columbus, Col- uh, no, not Colorado, uh, but there's a few other teams that are in there uh, that could make a really run, big run for it. So out of those qualifying teams, who do you think could do it? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really interesting dynamics at play here. And part of it's because nobody's ever been through anything like this. So, yeah. I mean, you have players, I mean, who, you know, remember that old saw that, oh my God, if they don't get the full training camp in, they're not going to be ready to go when the regular season starts. Well, nobody's got the full training camp yeah. in. So are shooters going to have the advantage or goalies going to have the advantage? Uh, and does that skew what's important and what isn't? Um, and then you have the injuries, the, the injury piece, which is that you know through a full training camp, if you don't get a full training camp, are you then going to be more susceptible to yeah. soft tissue injuries like your, your groin pulls, your hamstring pulls, your quads, all that lower stuff, your, your abdomen? Um, who's been really working out through the shutdown through the 120 yeah. days and, and who's not, we haven't seen a lot of that. Like, I mean, people have been watching practice, but we haven't seen like, you know, is there anybody who's maybe a little bit out of breath or who's you know, not 110%. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you throw in the fact of what happens, heaven forbid, if somebody actually gets diagnosed with COVID right before yeah. opening face off, like we saw yesterday with the opening day of major league baseball. So, I mean, with all of that being said, like, you have to, I think, have the caveat. I think you have to, that the field really is open. That, yeah. I mean, you look at like a, like a Carolina, you look at, you know, it's Tampa. Uh, you, I, mean, they, I mean, obviously they're in the, they're not in the, in the round oh, robin necessarily, but yeah. But I mean, you know, is this Edmonton now? Because, you know, Connor McDavid's had time to not play 30 minutes a night in a regular season game. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it really does seem wide open or does it, does it really sort of benefit a team that, is maybe a little bit stronger on the back end. So then you're looking at maybe a national, like it it really, nobody can handicap this. And I think anybody who says that they have a really good handle on it might not be telling the God's honest truth because the truth is nobody's been through a preparation like this. I mean, the really interesting thing would be that if there ever is going to be a year where the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley cup, it would be in a year where they couldn't hold a parade. And that would be this year because it'd be illegal. Uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I maybe not. Uh, maybe Columbus uh, will surprise some Canadians up there. Um, but still, but, like even the yeah. Columbus wins the Stanley Cup. It's, I don't. I mean, I don't know what the status is in Ohio right now, but oh, I don't think you can have. Well, three if you said if you said uh, uh, two hundred cases in Ontario are bad when we're getting a thousand in Ohio every day, I, I don't think that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, I feel like for any team, they'll be like the one year we got it, uh, we can't have a parade. Uh, so, but I think you're everything you're saying is really interesting because when it comes to the training camps, I mean, 
all the coaches are trying to do is scrimmage, 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 because that's the best thing they can do. Uh, you're having scrimmages with like scrimmages, basically with a PP one against PK one for parser. Yeah. Like, like, like it's like, you're trying to cram, you know, a fall semester and a winter semester yeah. into summer school basically because, is what you're trying to do. Because with a regular season, you have the same amount of break, but also it's not, if you're one of the qualifying teams, you're not wading into the season. It's game one, boom. Yeah. And it's a five game series. There's not a lot of room for error. If you're not on the top of your game, if the goaltender's not on the top of your game, you're that the first game you lose, I, I, you're already down the series big time. Well, I uh, think Columbus and Toronto, like game two and three, I think it's a back-to-back. Three and four, yeah. Is it three and four that's a back-to-back? Yeah. Okay. Uh, most of them are two and three. Uh, but I think Columbus, because they started the day after three and four. Okay. I think also this is the first playoffs. Uh, and again, the qualifying round may not be the playoffs. This is the first playoffs where there are back-to-backs. Um, so goaltending could, if you have two good goaltenders, yep. that could come into hand. Um, injuries, that could start as well. Um, it's going to be a grind. And I think also, you know, I'm not sure being in that bubble where there's not a lot of distractions Maybe that's better. Maybe that's worse. I don't know. And I was hearing some things on TSN. They think maybe instead of the chaos, it's just going to be sweeps. Um, but, you know, we'll find out is there's either going to be chaos and it's going to be high scoring or it's going to be every game's going into overtime. I mean, we could find out, you know, like golf, like yeah. who, who actually plays better without the pressure of a crowd, like who, who might get jeered, but all of a sudden in the silence actually kind of thrives. Uh, who loses steam because they don't have the crowd to pump them up. You know, it's like the old wrestler Hulk Hogan. His whole gimmick was that he get pumped up by the crowd. Like, you're not going to have that. And then for older players, um, the fact that maybe you don't have to go jetting out right after a game um, might help you preserve your, your mm -hmm. stamina. Like, you might not wear and tear as much if you're an older player rather than, you know, hopping on the team charter and trying to ice your knees. You can just take the extra time for physio right at the rink and then get a good night's sleep and get back to it the next day. Well, another thing we didn't even talk about yet is that, I mean, there's a 12 o'clock, a 2 o'clock, and a, you know, a 8 o'clock, or maybe it's 2, 4, and 8. Um, but there's going to be two afternoon games. You're most likely, unless you're a really big market, but I don't even think that's possible, that you're going to have every evening game. Um, there's going to be afternoon games. That messes with people's schedules as well. Um, so there's a lot... <laughs> To break down to say nothing all, of the rest of us who are trying to yeah. do work and hockey's on 12 hours a day yeah well I, i'm kind of glad it's summer now gonna fall down the toilet yeah what, once school starts it's going to be different interesting uh definitely interesting uh but right if now school starts you mean what if school starts you yeah mean. if well it'll be online anyway maybe but i mean i, I think that i'm doing I, after once the qualifying round and the exhibition starts the quarantine hockey hq podcast is doing the QWHQ score recap every day um, because, you know, not everyone can watch those six games a day. Right. I can, but <laughs> not every, but not everyone else can. So I'm going to be recapping those. Um, but uh, Sean, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Uh, do you have anything else to add or anything uh, you want to promote? No, thank you very much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time out to have me on as a guest. Thank you so much. And uh, don't forget to get, uh, Go get your book. Uh, where is it on? Amazon, bookstores? Amazon, bookstores. I'll drive it to your house and socially <laughs> distant drop it on your lawn, man. Anything you want. Will you come all the way to Columbus or no? 
I don't know if we're allowed to cross the border oh, yet, yeah. but the second that, we are, I'll get true. down to Columbus. That is true. Uh, well, Sean, uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, stay safe and stay healthy. You as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic interview with the athletic Sean Fitzgerald. Sean, thank you so much uh, for coming on. And uh, I really appreciated talking to you. And uh, thank you so much. And now, uh, before we get into the NHL news, I just want to remind you uh, that since there is no QAH2 score recap episode today because it's our normal episodes, uh, we will be previewing the games that are happening today at the end of this NHL news segment. Um, but uh, we do have some other great news for you. Um, on July 26th, Every single NHL team has officially made it to their respective bubbles. Um, that is fantastic news. And, I, you know, we were wondering, the NHL could really pull this off if they get to the bubbles. And now they have, um, there's 14 restaurants in each bubble. Uh, we've been seeing some photos of Tim Hortons and uh, there's different dining options like Guilt-free eats, Edmonton's only a hundred percent gluten-free and plant-based, and then there's street tacos, food trucks. Um, in Toronto, there's uh at the BMO Field, um, they're having dinner, lunch, and they're having foosball or whatever. And uh, floors are also being decorated for the respective teams. Um, also some great touches by the NHL and the teams uh, having some photos of their families in there. Uh, and some drawings as well, which I thought was really cute and really sweet. Um, we're also seeing photos of what the NHL ice is looking like. Of course, follow us on Twitter to see those photos. Um, but, I mean, it looks awesome. LED screens. Center ice looks awesome uh, with the big Stanley Cup. Um, so I think it's going to be really exciting. And again, today, on July 28th, um, it's not going to be the final product because it's not regular games, it's the exhibition games, um, but we're going to see what things will look like for the first time on TV today, and I'm really excited for that, and, uh, you know, things are just going to get started here, and I, I'm really excited to hear about that. Uh, some other great news is that last week I talked about there were two positive tests during the whole uh, training camp that week. Well, this week, the NHL has said this week, uh, since the last time those tests were made, there have been zero positive cases of COVID-19, which is fantastic. Uh, so in the training camps, which is phase three, uh, there have been only a total of two cases, and now testing will be daily in the NHL bubble, and we'll hear more about that um, in the coming days from the NHL and the NHL's PR. Um, now there's many different things in the bubble. It looks like uh, there are Zoom um, conferences uh, where the media can ask them questions. Practices have been going on. Um, all the plane charters came in and everyone was wearing masks. Um, each player got their own masks. Uh, and there's also hand sanitizer with the Stanley Cup uh, qualifiers logo, which is nice. And there's player lounges. There's bubble life looks nice. Uh, I mean, everyone's bringing their musical instruments and uh, there's been consoles, Xbox, PlayStation, all of that. And also, uh, I think something to talk about is also uh, the Vegas Gold Knights and the Carolina Hurricanes. There may have been other teams that have done this, but um, just those specifically, I know, have did some 
great team send-offs. People came in the cars honking, decorating their cars um, for the team to see their support before they left and got on the plane. I thought that was great um, to show the team that you're behind them and you have that support. Um, but, you know, we're going to see the practices. Teams know they're now in the bubble. They're like, okay, this is real. It's time to get down to business. No more fooling around. Uh, we have no more distractions. We're in a bubble. Not only are you in a bubble away from COVID-19, you're in a bubble uh, from distractions. So it's time to get down uh, and down to business. And uh, we'll see how these exhibition games turn out tonight uh, and the next few days. And then uh, August 1st, uh, the first NHL qualifying round, uh, those games will start. And I can't wait for that. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot to talk about besides that. I mean, you know, the one thing to talk about is um, the NHL bubble when it comes to the media. Um, as we know, and only NHL.com writers are allowed in the bubble. Um, the PWHA, the players writing, uh, PWHA, Players Writing Hockey Association, or Writers Association, um, they requested to have three people in the bubbles. They were denied, so we don't know a lot about what's going on in the bubbles or what it looks like besides the photos that we're seeing on social media. Um, and there's some great Twitter accounts. Uh, one's NHL Hubs Life, one's NHL Bubble. You can look it up on Twitter and Instagram uh, where they're posting different photos, different images from assistant coaches, staff, to players and teams. Um, there's a lot of cool things, and teams are also creating their own content as well. Um, but, I mean, omelet stations, buffets in the morning. Uh, we still haven't got a full sense if it is all you can eat and there's no prices. Uh, but we did see the Tim Hortons menu, and there were no prices on there. So, you know what, players? I know you guys are on a diet, but have fun. Eat what you want, and uh, stay focused. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's a lot to talk about in the bubble. I, I don't know if there's much else to talk about. Um, regarding the bubble because that's all the information we have right now um even though i'm saying today I i'm recording this on monday which is the day that they are coming uh to the day after they came into the bubble uh, so we're still getting information and tomorrow uh, which is today when the episode is released is just going to be one day after so there's still not a lot of information and we'll hear more uh in the coming days um, but one thing we have to talk about is the Arizona Coyotes. There was some big news right before um, they made it to Edmonton. And that is that their general manager quit. Yes, you're hearing that right. Their general manager quit. Uh, and that is what they're saying. Um, the Arizona Coyotes made a... They made a statement saying that general manager Chaika has chosen to quit on a strong competitive team, a dedicated staff, and the Arizona Coyote fans, uh, the greatest fans in the NHL. Really strong, uh, they said. The club is disappointed in his actions and his timing as the Coyotes prepare to enter the NHL's hub city of Edmonton, where the team will begin postseason play for the first time since 2012. Um, so really strong. He quit. Uh, and terminated his contract. Um, but Chaika is saying something else. He said, The past four years have been the most enjoyable of my life. In Arizona, I became a, a husband, 
and a father while working as hard as possible to make the Coyotes a Stanley Cup contender. I love our players, coaches, staff, and fans, and I very much wish I could be with this team in Edmonton. Sadly, the situation created by the ownership made that an impossibility. So, I mean, that's blame games here and there. Um, people are saying that uh, Chaika's lying and whatnot, but I think that it's really interesting because what general manager quits right before the playoffs and right before the bubble, I think that's really strange. Um, and I, I think there, it sounds like there was a disruption. Uh, he was asked to if he was interested in another opportunity outside the Arizona Coyotes. They denied uh, Chaika that opportunity originally, um, but then he may have gone. And it sounds like, according to Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, it sounds like it's an ownership position in New Jersey um, with multiple uh, teams, not just in the NHL, um, but across uh, other leagues as well. Um, so I think that's really interesting. Um, and the management is obviously very upset about this um, because they believed in him, their new management as well. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And I mean, it's also sad uh, that that had to happen. Uh, but obviously, in the next few days, we'll hear uh, more. Um, but the general, the Arizona Coyotes named an interim GM. And uh, we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, some other things to talk about is um, the NHL uh, made sure that they did have um, a social message uh, for these qualifying rounds. It's hashtag we skate for and the players and the teams can put whatever they want, uh, which will be on their jerseys, uh, not on their jerseys, on their helmets. Uh, so, for example, um, the Edmonton Oilers are saying hashtag we skate for Kobe. Uh, Kobe Cave played for the Edmonton Oilers and he tragically passed away this year. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers hashtag we skate for brotherly love. Um, there's others uh, hashtag we skate for equality hashtag uh, you know whatever they want to put and there's hashtag we skate for these moments hashtag we skate for these healthcare workers hashtag we skate for Black Lives Matter uh, so there's many different social uh, messages that the NHL is gonna um, let them do and let the players decide what they want to do um, which I think is uh, really neat and good for the NHL uh, for letting them do that. Um, according to anthems and traditional in sounds, it sounds like each team will get to play their horn and their song, um, and home or away, their song will play, be played uh, to keep uh, everything and the energy up in the building. Um, so I think one thing to note here is we're recording this in the middle of. Uh, a like a saga in that and and in the MLB because you're seeing there's so many positive cases right now in the MLB that maybe this bubble was a really good idea and definitely we're going to see uh what there is exactly and if there are a lot of um positive cases in that bubble and in the NHL um but hopefully there's not and hopefully it uh will work out and we'll see very shortly. And other NHL news, I mean, just fantastic news, um, is that this Seattle NHL team, like I said, uh, with Sean Fitzgerald, has officially announced their name. 
They are the Seattle Kraken. Uh, yes, it is a mythical octopus uh, who rumored to be in the seas of Seattle. Um, but now um, we know that they will be a hockey team. And again, that's not the Seattle Krakens. It is the Seattle Kraken. No S. And they've also released their logo, which has a tentacle in the negative space of the S. Looks awesome. They have a beast eye. Um, their jerseys have also um, been released, and that's their design. Um, the production hasn't happened for the jerseys yet, so um, Adidas hasn't made those yet. Uh, but we can see the sketches online, and they look fresh. They look awesome. Uh, sick, uh, <laughs> to even say. Um, and I'm so excited to see those jerseys in play, uh, not this coming season, um, but in the 21-22 season. Uh, I cannot wait uh, for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, their flag also went up on the Space Needle. Um, not to mention their secondary logo is an anchor with the Space Needle uh, hidden inside of it. Uh, I think that's awesome as well. Um, and I think that there's a lot to be excited about if you're a hockey fan in Seattle, uh, the Seattle Kraken. Um, really exciting. Um, but that's all there is uh, with this NHL news. And uh, we're going to get you right into a preview of QWHU score recap as I'm now going to be previewing the exhibition games for today, July 28th. Hello, so now we're going to be talking about uh, the previewing the games that are happening today, uh, July 28th, Exhibition Games. So on Quarantine Hockey HQ, uh, we are launching a bonus series, as you know, QWHU Score Recap, uh, where we preview the games that are happening that day and recapping the games that happened the day before in just 30 minutes or less. Um, and since there's no games to recap uh, from yesterday, and there's only games happening today. I'm going to preview those ones for you uh, in order of when they're playing. And then tomorrow, uh, on July 29th, there will be a QWHQ score recap episode recapping these games and previewing the ones on Wednesday, July 29th. Uh, so let's get started. At 4 p.m., uh, the Penguins and the Flyers will be playing against each other in the Battle of Pennsylvania. Uh, NBC Sports Network will be covering this game, uh, and it's an exciting one. Even though there's exhibition games, uh, only one of these teams will be playing in the qualifying round. That is the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Montreal Canadiens, uh, and the Philadelphia Flyers will, of course, be in the round robin. Um, but these two have a big rivalry, even though this game doesn't count for anything. I think teams need to treat this game uh, regularly against each other um, because... I mean, this is the one shot they have to get their intensity up before the playoffs start. Um, but some players to watch, uh, I mean, of course, Evgeny Malkin. Uh, he's he's a fantastic player. Uh, Sidney Crosby is in practice today, a uh, full participant for the Pittsburgh Penguins, so it looks like he'll be back as well. Uh, Jacob Vorchuk uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers uh, and Provorov and Niskanen, uh, they're all great players uh, for Philly as well, so make sure you watch them. Uh, for goaltending, um, I think for this one, maybe the Penguins will do half and half. Matt Murray may play half the game. Tristan Jari may play half the game. Uh, we'll see what happens with that, and that's a decision that the Pittsburgh Penguins will have to make. Uh, I'm not sure who the Philadelphia Flyers will uh, play. Uh, we'll find out tomorrow. 
um, and today as well. Uh, we're going to find out tomorrow uh, if the coach was happy with his decision, and we'll find out, of course, today who's playing. Um, but Carter Hart uh, is a great goaltender. He's their number one, and Brian Elliott is a solid backup. Um, Pittsburgh and Philly are pretty close in stats. Uh, they Philly leads in the power play by a small margin, uh, and the Penguins lead by a small margin on the penalty kill. Um, so, I mean, it's a really tight matchup. Uh, in this season series, um, the Penguins uh, won 7-1 to in their first game. The Flyers won 3-0 in the second game. And the Penguins won 4-3 to in overtime uh, that day uh, on January 31st, which was their last game against each other um, beforehand. Um, so, again, we're going to find out today if uh, who the goaltenders are going to be. Um, but, you know, without that, I, I think that we have a pretty good sense of what's going to happen. It's going to be the first game in the bubble. So, so I cannot wait to see how it all looks, how it all turns out today. Um, and, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but really excited to get this game underway. And, of course, we'll recap this game uh, tomorrow on July 29th and QWHQ score recap. Now, the next uh, game is at 8 o'clock. This is going to be prime time in Canada, of course. Maple Leafs versus the Montreal Canadiens in an exhibition game. Both of these teams will uh, be playing in the qualifying round. Um, So this is going to be an exciting game to watch uh, because both of these teams should be treating this game like a playoff game to get their intensity up, especially the Montreal Canadiens. They're going to need it. to try and beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are again playing uh, today as well. Um, so, players to watch, of course, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens, um, Denlot, uh, Petrie, uh, some other great players as well. And of course, they have Tatar and uh, Domi. Uh, so, those are some players that you have to watch out for. Um, but I think it's going to be a really exciting game, uh, goaltending wise. Um, we can assume since it is going to be um, the game uh, that day that we're going to get Freddie Anderson um, as the goaltender for the Maple Leafs because they should be treating this like a qualifying round game. Uh, and the Montreal Canadiens will most likely play Carey Price as well. Um, but we'll only get confirmation of that right before the game anyways, um, even though I'm telling you about it now. Uh, we'll know more uh right before the game, so make sure you follow us on social media. Um, but anyways, um, power play-wise, uh, Toronto wins that uh, easily, 23.1%, sixth in the NHL. And Montreal, 22nd in the NHL for their playoff percentage. Penalty kill, um, Montreal actually leads this one with 78.7%. They're 19th in the league. Montreal and the Toronto Maple Leafs are 21st in the league. Face-off percentage, I mean, Toronto is beating this one easily. 52.5%. Third place in the league. That is fantastic. And uh, goals for uh, divided by games played is they're also third in the league uh, for that. Um, so I think uh, we'll be able to see that. But for goals allowed uh, divided by games played, that actually goes to the Montreal Canadiens because, uh, well, Carey Price. And so I think that's going to be really interesting. If the Montreal Canadiens, they're going to want to get on the board and get a sense of how they're doing 
um, because if they can bring up the intensity and get going, they will have a better chance against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who they're playing against in the qualifying round. Um, but season series-wise, the Montreal Canadiens uh, won this game 6-5 in sh- the shootout. The Montreal Canadiens winning all of these games, actually. Uh, the second game they played against each other, the Habs won 5-2. to two. Uh, and then uh, their third game in overtime, the Montreal Canadiens won two to one. Um, so even though Toronto is the better team in this game, they're seed eight and Montreal is seed twelve. Again, this is ex- an exhibition game, but I mean that just shows you it doesn't matter uh, what your number is and what seed you are. Uh, teams can beat each other, and the Montreal Canadiens uh, won all three games this season. We know Max Domi, uh, like I said is in the uh, game uh, because he will uh, be in the bubble because of uh, his diabetes. He decided to wait a little bit to decide if he was going to be in the bubble, but he decided he will be. Um, But again, um, make sure you follow us on social media for the games because uh, we'll have more information as uh, we end up closer to the game about who's starting as goaltender and things like that. And make sure you listen uh, to the recap of this game tomorrow on QWHQ Score Recap. Now let's get started on the Battle of Alberta. 10.30, and I, again, can assume this game is going to be on Sportsnet. Um, But being in the U.S., we can't see that exactly. Um, But, of course, it's always on NHL.TV. But this is, again, the Battle of Alberta. Um, Edmonton Oilers versus the Calgary Flames in an exhibition game. Um, these teams really hate each other. Um, there's always fights, um, but again, this is an exhibition game, so maybe they'll take it down a little bit, but we can still expect a lot of intensity from this game. Um, some players to watch are Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, Nurse, uh, again, and, and then, uh, Clefbaum, uh, who is a great D defenseman, and of course, also, uh, when it comes to Matthew Kachuk of the uh, Calgary Flames, he's a great player. Same with uh, their captain, uh, Giordano, and Tyler Brody uh, is a great um, defenseman as well. And and as a center, Lindholm is a great defenseman as uh, center. Excuse me, uh, great down in the center um, to help um, the Calgary Flames, and he has um, a plus minus of three. Uh, plus three and so again uh, this game they are both going to be in the qualifying round um so i think that it's going to be really interesting to see the intensity uh, i don't think there's going to be fights uh, because it's an exhibition game um, but we'll see what kind of intensity it brings uh, tonight uh goaltending wise uh smith uh for the edmonton oilers uh, he's a great goaltender and riddich of the um calgary flames and again uh, because this is an exhibition game and it's right before the qualifying round. There's only one. Um, I can't expect uh, both of those starting goaltenders to have the start. Stats-wise, um, the Edmonton Oilers are 29.5% on the p- power play. That is the best power play in the NHL. Penalty kill, they are the second in the NHL as well, when the Calgary Flames are eighth um, in the league. Face-off percentage, they are neck-and-neck neck by 0.1% percent uh but calgary takes that edge uh they're 22nd in the league and edmonton is 23rd 
uh, goals for divided by games played. Uh, that would go um, to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they are 15th in the league with 3.14 uh, games for um, divided by games played. And that just means how many uh, goals they usually score per game and goals allowed. Uh, that edge also goes to um, the Edmonton Oilers, 15th place, 3.03. Uh, season series-wise, um, in the regular season, uh, the Flames uh, won three of the four games in the first game. Uh, they won 5-1. In the second game, they won 4-3. In the third game, uh, they also won 4-3 uh, in a shootout. And then the last game in the season series, the Oilers won 8-1. Uh, which is a massive score. Um, so obviously uh, we'll find out uh, how the game turns out tonight. Um, but, you know, I, I think that w with all of these games, the intensity is going to be high, uh, and I just can't wait to watch them. Um, but, of course, uh, make sure we're going to recap all three of these games tomorrow on July 29th on the first episode of QHU Score Recap. And uh, we're also going to be previewing the games that day, uh, which is July 29th. Uh, there is the Lightning Panthers, Avalanche and Wild, Hurricanes and Capitals, Blues and Blackhawks, Islanders and Rangers, and Canucks and Jets. Uh, so a lot of games, six games that day. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of hockey. Uh, so I can't wait to watch that as well. And of course, we're going to recap that uh, tomorrow on uh, July 29th on the first episode of QWHU School Recap. Uh, now uh, that's all we have for the NHL news and Q and uh, our preview of the games today. Uh, so let's get you right into the episode outro. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic interview uh, with the Athletics' Sean Fitzgerald. Um, it was great to speak to him. And I also hope you enjoyed the NHL news and you know, with the bubble, there's it's hard to get all the information, so I'm trying to give you as much as possible. Um, but also regarding the Arizona Coyotes uh, general manager thing that's going on, a little crazy there. And I also hope you enjoyed um, that game preview uh, for the games that are happening today on July 28th. Now, tomorrow, I cannot wait. It is our first episode of the Quarantine Hockey HQ's bonus series, QWHU Score Recap, uh, where we will be recapping the games I previewed today. Uh, we will be recapping the games uh, of today, July 28th, and uh, previewing the games that are happening uh, on July 29th. So, again, uh, I don't know the exact time when that episode will be released, but, but it will be in the morning. Um, but... Of course, we're going to let you know on social media, so make sure you follow us on Twitter at HockeyHUPodcast and on Twitter and, excuse me, on Instagram and Facebook at QuarantineHockeyHQ. Um, so again, um, this QWHQ score recap is going to be so much fun. We recap all the games that are happening uh, the day before and re previewing the games that are happening uh, that day in 30 minutes or less. Um, my name is Zach Rodier. I'll catch you tomorrow on QWHU Score Recap. And uh, this was episode 14 of the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. And we'll catch you next time on next week's episode of QWHQ uh, Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. And uh, where we have another episode next Tuesday. Thanks.